why is this so helpful and why is it so hard to talk about? Why does it seem so weird? Why does this seem like, why am I terrified to tell people I'm in a men's group? On this episode of Good AF, we're talking feelings with co-founder of Everyman, Dan Doty. Dan is a man's man. He's big, he's burly, he's from North Dakota, and damn it, does he love talking about his feelings. And most importantly, he's created a network of men's groups across the country, and it's changing their lives. Dan, you are the co-founder of Everyman. You guys are blowing up, and I'm in one of your groups in Los Angeles, and it's been one of the greatest things that I've been a part of as an adult. Um, you're all over the place, though. I mean, you have media outlets coming at you. You're doing your own podcast. You're a dad. You're a husband. You just not too long ago moved to Southern California. How do you kind of balance all that? I think the the most the most direct answer is that I, it does the, the word balance balance it doesn't feel right and mm -hmm. it doesn't it's like I remember like for a lot of my life there were things I was not sure about there were things I was confused about there was things that didn't quite feel right none of that exists for me right now so all of my work I put all of my heart into it and it feels amazing. And being a dad I put all I get to put all of me into that and being a husband like there's no fight. Right. Like there's no no, there's no like question anymore. So so how do I balance it? I don't I don't think I do balance it. I think I just I think I just sh keep showing the heck up like, you know, yeah. that, that's what it is really like show up and kind of give it up or surrender. And, you know, I mean, if we wanted to talk specifics. I meditate uh, not as not for as long of chunks as I used to. Now I just don't have the time for it. The reality is right now is that I'm moving at a pace that is not sustainable, you know, in terms of um, launching every man in the first couple of years of every man has been, uh, it, co it has coincided with creating a family and having two young boys and the, uh, the sheer weight and intensity of creating all of that mm -hmm. at the same time is I would not wish it on anybody to be totally flat and honest about it. It's, it's way too much. Well, I mean, I'm watching you from a pretty close, you know, proximity, and I don't know how you guys juggle it between you and your wife, and the kids are awesome, but you are on the road so much with every man and leading retreats, and you're doing coaching in the podcast. It's amazing to me because I see that you're building so much beautiful things between, like, your work with the men, with also your boys, your little guy Duke Doty is awesome, yeah. and I love how he's Duke Doty. It's never just Duke. Like he's proud of that last. <laughs> when you name. ask him, yeah. yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing for me to watch that and and see you build that. And I think that's the great thing with check-ins because we were at a Everyman retreat a couple of weeks ago, and just me looking at you from the outside, I'm like, oh man, Dan's got, he's good to go. And it just seems like you run on all cylinders. But I think the beauty of checking in is being like, hey, no, like these are things that are good, but there's also things that I'm struggling with and yeah. just kind of getting it out there yeah. and then receiving so much support back from men when men don't really want to talk about their emotions or feelings or, you know, any of that kind of stuff seems still in this day taboo. Yeah, totally. But, you know. There's a lot to say about that, but the first thing that comes up is guys have no idea what they're missing out on. No idea. 
like literally no clue. I was having a conversation earlier today about how we're like trying to like look back at all the superhero movies to see if there was ever a superhero movie where the superhero broke down and shed a tear. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I couldn't. Can you think of any Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, anything like worse? Anybody you can't because that would show vulnerability and weakness. Well, I know. But like so one of my new visions is to sort of maybe either direct or maybe even just uh, be a consultant on a superhero film mm. and add in a layer of vulnerability to a superhero character to try and kind of change that narrative because back to the, so what guys don't understand they're missing is that when we bullshit each other completely and we pretend that we have it all together all the time the 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 opening for support and honestly like jet fuel uh, from other people that would actually like to help us if we let them in to do it is a game changer. Oh, and I'm one of those kind of people that I don't like asking for help. Yeah. And by default, just checking in and being vulnerable and throwing out whatever you're struggling with, it, it's like that kind of call to help. Yeah. And guys, it, it's incredible the first time I joined Everyman uh, a little over a year ago. And it was showing that vulnerability and how much comes back from guys saying, hey, look, it's, this isn't me going out of my way to do something. Like, I want to help. Yeah. I want to be there for you. Well, yeah, it's, yes, exactly. Not only do they want to be there for you, you're actually making their life better because they get to. Oh, yeah. That's they, they get to. Like, in, in most religious and spiritual traditions, the mature masculine energy comes out in the form of service. Mm -hmm. So, like, a man in, you know, talk about Buddhism, Hinduism, sort of, and this is specifically Eastern thought, but the idea of mature masculine completely moves to that of like supporting and serving others. Mm -hmm. And so in a sense, it's funny to say it this way, but a guy who acts like he has everything together is actually harming other people around him because they're not able to serve and to give. Mm. And so since, since every man has started, like the massive influx of emails and attention and everything like when guys have reached us out to us in the thousands and it's literally two things. It's one, how do I get involved? But even crazier is like the amount of guys who just out of the blue say, I will do anything to help you. What can I do to help? Where can I jump in? What can I offer you? What can I do? It's insane. Guys, I think like in terms of like a resource, you think about like extracting resources out of the earth, like coal or fuel or gas, whatever it is like, the amount of dude power that is that is just bottled up and pent up that could be used to make this world a better place is insane. Yeah, and it's just going to waste because we don't know how to harness it or how to use it. Yeah, exactly. I want to go back a little bit before every man. Um, I'm looking above me right here, and you have uh, you have a rack up there. What what do you got? Here? That's an elk shed. It's a shed antler that I that one I picked up in uh, New Mexico probably about six years ago. Okay, so you have a you have a, a very interesting background. You spent a lot of times in the outdoors, a lot of times. And you grew yeah. up in Montana. I grew up in North Dakota. North Minnesota. Dakota. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, how did you get from that outdoor type adventurous lifestyle that you were living? You were also working in TV. Could you go into a little bit of yeah, of that yeah. And how that came to be? Yeah. So I got. Uh, since high school, actually middle school, so wilderness travel, wilderness living was my has always been my biggest passion and love. Like it's my first love. And uh, so after college, I went to college in a place specifically because of the outdoor stuff there. 
after college, I became a wilderness therapy guide and I spent many hundreds of days uh, working in therapeutically oriented wilderness schools for young dudes who are struggling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of the most blissful time of my life and, and it was good work, but then it was also just this amazing excuse to spend, you know, half of my life for five years sleeping in the dirt. And for whatever reason, that just makes me happier than a pig. <laughs> and I moved to New York for a while. I was a high school teacher. I got a master's as a New York city teaching fellow. And then I had, I'm going fast through this, but then, yeah, I had a, a media career for four and a half years or so. And I started out as just a, a crew member, uh, but made, made my way to producer, director, and executive. And you were just originally just lugging stuff through the woods or kind of showing these guys like exactly. where to go? Yeah. The, it was a, the first time was a show called The Wild Within on the Travel Channel. I got hired. Actually, funny enough, I got hired because the director I had been in a men's group with, there he hired go. me to help take care of this New York-based crew on an Alaskan hunt, backpacking hunt up a mountain. And, you know, I was like, what do you like, th- what do you think of when they asked that? And you're like, oh, man, I was like, I'm well, assuming for- most of these guys have never really been outdoors in the wilderness like that. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had had some questions about that. And, I, th- you know, I think what I was really thinking is like, uh, for what you going to pay me? And then <laughs> and then I'm like, you're going to pay me to take, do an adventure like this and I'm not going to have to take care of kids who want to kill themselves. Like, OK, I'm in. <laughs> and so that kick started a, a whole career, a whole career where I. I learned to shoot, I learned to produce, I learned to direct. And, you know, I spent about 60, I, I, I was a part of about 60 episodes of the show Meat Eater, which is kind of like a cult hit hunting mm-hmm. and food show. Um, flew all, you know, went all over the wilderness, all over the country and the world and had a blast and learned how to tell stories real well. So when you're out on the road, especially when you're working on a TV show or even with Everyman, when you, you have your, your core group of guys that you're yeah. working with, what, what makes a good travel companion? Like when you're going all over, <laughs> what makes somebody tolerable? Oh, that's a good question. So, you know, just to, to be blunt about it, like my crew on in the TV world was great dudes, uh, but also sort of a community where I, I really I probably held in about 70% of Dan Doty. Mm-hmm. Only about 30% was appreciated or that was my read of the situation at the time. You know, it was just more of like a classical standard American dude culture. Really great guys. Anyway, for but in every man, I mean, like my, my closest buddy, Aaron, is the best travel partner in the world for me. I mean, it's just like I don't have to hold anything back. Everything goes. He's like he's like the most uh, competent individual I know. And we just have a blast and there's just nothing there's just nothing to hold back. So I don't know if you get to travel with your best buddy, I guess that that's what would make like the best travel companion. Other than that, if you want to isolate some qualities of being a good travel companion, I mean, just be competent, you know, yeah, pay, that's number pay one attention. Yeah. Pay attention, be able to, to move from here or there. Um, you know, just have your shit together, I guess, really. Oh, that, that about sums it up, you know, yeah. for a lot of things in life. Yeah. I mean, that's the easy part, but then the, the next part is like, What's the quality of your conversation, right? Yeah. What's the quality of your time together? And, and I've been in situations where I've been in some of the, the most amazing places, but not necessarily with people I want to be in those places with. Yeah. And then it kind of just dulls on the moment. And you're like, ah, you know, for me, it's good, but I can't like share that really with somebody else if, if I'm not really digging that. Yeah, totally. What made you actually move to New York City? Yeah. So I was living 
the, the, the wilderness dream in a sense. And so at that time I was doing 21 day trips. Actually, no, I did. My longest trip I ever did was like, I think it was like 47 or 48 days in the woods. The reason I moved to New York was that two things. I wanted to get a master's, but I wanted to get a master's while I worked. I didn't want to just go back to school. Um, so I looked at the Peace Corps sort of master's fellowship program, which was interesting to me, uh, would have taken me a lot longer. And then I found the New York City Teaching Fellows, which was basically a, I taught for two years while I went to school at mm. the same time and um, came out with a master's. And it was a harder, it was a, it was a scarier, it was a bigger challenge. That's why I chose it. Moving to the, moving to the Bronx was way scarier to me than moving to Ghana or moving to Ecuador or any New place. York's scary as shit. It was to me, man. It wasn't my... You're just trying to navigate the subway for the first time. I mean, now it's my... Now it's like bliss. But at that time for me, it was like, this is the most foreign thing that I could mm -hmm. find, you know? And actually the first trip I ever took to New York, my dad and I, it was for... It was to apply to be in the fellows. And, uh, you know, I got there and I was like, what is going on? And then I got in the subway and I looked around. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is, mm -hmm. where, I, this is where I belong. You were working with young men, boys out in the wilderness. Yeah. What What was that transition going into men? I know you were in men's group, but like really saying, hey, guys need work just as much. Like we always want to focus on our youth, but, you know, for, for the, the youth that kind of got overlooked. Yeah. It's like this open gap of, of men. What, what made you go that this is my target? These are my people. Yeah. Good question. I think the main part was towards the end of working with all those young kids, I started doing some specific father-son events and after years of working with kids and you know really being open to to what was up for them to to so for example just imagine working for three months with a kid really getting to know him you know hearing him pour his heart out what's what's a struggle for him what his all everything learn everything about this kid and then dad waltzes in and sits down next to the fire and almost without having him say a word, like these kind of connections come. It's just like I learned both explicitly and implicitly the power relationship and responsibility of a father to a son or a father to a kid. And it like lit some sort of fire in me. It was like these kids are hurting. They're acting out. They're going away. And not, not like, you know, and maybe at the time, not anymore, but at the time, maybe it was like, I had some blame. I'm like, be like, you fucking asshole. Like, yeah. like you waltz in here, like sending your kid away from your home and your community. And you're out there like, like, do you not see how you had a part in this? Mm hmm. And do you not see how it's your responsibility to change yourself? And they just seem totally oblivious. But I mean, that's I'm I'm making kind of an extreme not all point. Them, it wasn't always exactly that way, but I just I I feel like that actually turned into a heck of a lot of compassion on my end of like for the kids or for both, but for the, the dads, dads too. Not the dads even realizing. Too. Well, yeah, man. I mean, they weren't given like <laughs> yeah. they were like weren't taught how to do any of the stuff that they needed to do to be a good dad for their kids. Like there was that wasn't like on deck. That wasn't on. No offer. one teaches you that. No, that's the thing. Yeah. And so I just I spent most of my twenties working with young guys, and you know I got to the I got real close to getting a book deal. I got like almost like there was like this little chunk of time 
that they were gonna that I was maybe gonna host a TV show about young kids and all this and then and then the media career happened. I don't know. It just sort of it felt like that opportunity like almost came together to focus on the young guys and then for whatever reason it, it might have just be it might have been that I just I uh, started to focus my work on more what I was had to go through, mm. you know. And then where it really came together is when I became a dad myself, you know, and uh, which is right around the same time ish that Everman exact really came time. in. Yeah, no, it it was it was Duke's arrival that kick started the actual go for Everyman, a hundred percent. Is that coincidence or is that like, no. hey, I need to. This has yeah. got to happen now. It was. I mean, I think it all kind of lined up uh, on the timeline, but it was a conscious recognition that uh, if I don't do everything I can with all this information and passion I have, like mm-hmm. it's directly harming my child. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and for those of you, go on and check out everyman.com. And that's everyman. It's only one E on the everyman. But uh, if you look on there, you also host, you're not out of the woods because you still do wilderness retreats and you do excursions, particularly with veterans yeah. that you have. Yeah. What came into that, getting veterans out there? Because for me, that's the one thing I always feel uncomfortable around veterans. And yeah. it's not that I feel anything about them. It's that I kind of feel like I skipped out a little bit. Sure. Like I, I've been feeling that a lot lately. Yeah. Well, so I mentioned that traveling with my like close best buddy and his name's Aaron and uh, he joined my men's group in he saw me on a podcast he reached out when I was living in Montana and he's a he's a veteran he's he was a Green Beret he's a special forces operator and he works with every man he's a director of our operations and our events and and there was something very special that happened with him in our group and he was just coming out of the military coming back to civilian life and our group our weekly everyman group simply like not on purpose became a welcoming home Mm -hmm. for him to be recognized by all kinds of dudes right so we had like a metal worker and we had a farmer and we had a therapist you know and i think it was just this really beautiful process of you know, a veteran coming back to civilian often feels very separate, very different, you know, like having been breathing different air, speaking a different language. And, you know, Aaron's just such a freaking badass and an incredible guy. And, you know, and he was hurting. He was hurting bad. And, you know, it's not all the group, but it certainly was a big part of him really finding himself again, finding the new chapter for his life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think he and I, it just kind of naturally happened. It's like, God damn, this was kind of a big deal. Um, I think that this could be something that other veterans coming home could just naturally fall into and it would be very powerful and helpful. Right. So we, we, last year we did our first veteran uh, integration expedition. And so what that is specifically is equal parts veterans and equal parts Civilians, Come. and I think it's great because you have the civilians pay for the veterans, correct? Yeah, it's like the Tom shoes. That's right? incredible. Like, I mean, they just pay for their ticket, but that covers a veteran too. But what's amazing about it, and so you know what you share. So a lot of guys who didn't serve sometimes do have that, like 
whether it's guilt or whether it's whatever the feeling is like I didn't go do this thing that I could have done what what happens we call it a multi-gifted exchange right so it's the amazing thing is that it's um there's so much we can give each other there's so much that these different communities have for each other and for for myself what's what's been very deeply meaningful is that yeah I didn't I didn't go to war I didn't serve mm. in that way and and I don't think I ever would have it was never on it was never on my mind it's funny now at this stage in life like I think I would think about it more than ever before but um what feels like service to me now is really like getting these dudes healthy like come home and like honor them and help them like come back into life and integrate yeah. so to me that feels like if I could serve, that's a way to serve my country. No, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's something that I never even thought of. Like that's, that's a whole new Avenue for me being with some of these guys and talking with Aaron. And it's like, wow, like this is how we can help to help yeah. these guys come back and realize like, Hey, like you're still part of this and yeah. we're all in this together. And we're all like, we all have something to share, something to offer. Yeah. Because I know it goes both ends. Like we both feel lost in like the conversation between civilian and, yeah, and I think veteran. for me, I never had that sort of, oh, I didn't serve because I spent my I spent like pretty much most of my professional life teaching and, and literally serving young, whole life young guys, right? I mean, mm -hmm. until I got to the media stuff and then that fucked with my head because I wasn't for that chunk where I was working in, in media. I wasn't serving my kids because it, it, it's almost like a more like selfishness like yeah. having work in media yeah like by default it just becomes like a selfish thing because it's like i yeah. need to make my career do this and then sometimes you step back and you're like well what am i that what plus value am just, i bringing that plus just like waking up in the morning to entertain people oh god brutal well you know i mean it's it's different right and i i don't i'm not i don't think it's bad i really don't honestly and i don't think it's wrong but for me at the time after you know literally working out in the woods with kids which was to be honest not a sustainable lifelong career either right like you can't just you can't only give had it been some cheesy ass uh, reality show i just don't think i ever would have done it but i, I believe deeply in the message and it was about conservation it was about an ethical way to basically it was a transformative hunting show to show that hunting is not just about assholes in the woods killing things and celebrating but it's yeah. that there's like a real human deep like ethical way of harvesting your own food right so i believed in it but it still it still shook me for a while it was still hard for me to uh wake up and you know when you asked me at the beginning of our podcast here like how do you balance things like if for for me personally to know that what i'm doing with my time and my energy is all oriented toward a deep meaningful place for me you know that was a that was in question for a while for myself so for you with what you're doing and every man's really kicking off and it's it's exploding rapidly why do you think the world needs every man and and not necessarily like from the beginning but like right where you are right now yeah. and you're, you're seeing you know the impact that you're having i think it needs it because there's a lot of um there's a lot of people right now that can point to the problem and point to an inspirational way to be, but I don't think there's many people that show you how to actually learn to be a, like more human. I don't think there's many places 
that it's safe for a guy to go or attractive for a guy to go that actually has like a, a very, I feel like we're creating literally a machine mm-hmm. that's like, or a training ground that's like churning out healthier guys, honestly. And I think I that, agree with you 100%. I th- yeah. I think that every man is, we're not here just to tell you to do something. It's like, here, we're all doing this. Let's do it together. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be what it is. It's actually going to be kind of fun. But like the, uh, I think we're more concerned with the doing the work than we are sharing the message, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It does make sense. And I love that you said that because being in a group, I think that that's key because no one tells you, this is how you be a man. This is what masculinity is. It's like, yeah. hey, no, no, just come as you are yeah. and we'll go from there. Yeah. You know, and, and that's yeah. incredible because, I mean, just seeing guys in my group that initially when we first checked in, like my first check-in was just awkward. Yeah. Because I'm like, I never even thought about how my body's feeling yeah. besides just bitching and complaining about like one nagging thing, but actually like focusing on. And it's crazy how many guys couldn't even look at the rest of the group in the eye. Yeah. And we're so shy and we're like so self like downing. And now we have guys in my group that are like lead writers for TV shows and guys that are getting engaged. And it's like guys getting new jobs, guys booking stuff that they never thought that they would. And it's like guys are like, oh, you know what? I think I do want to be a dad now. And it's in one year, such a transformation. (laughs) You're like, holy shit. And it's crazy because for me, I, I get I like to see how everybody else is getting better and I'm not very good at like tracking how I'm doing better. Mm. And it's those moments where I see a breakthrough for them that one, I feel incredible because I knew I had a little part of that. But then two, I'm like, oh man, like we are all developing together and we're all like becoming better guys. And if somebody's slipping, like you will get called out for it. Yeah. Not necessarily like Somebody it, will reach it, back yeah, and grab you by your jockey yeah. strap and pull you up. It's you like, know? hey, look, you said that you were going to do this and this is yeah. what you wanted, but you're not doing that. Yeah. Is this still something that you want? Because if it is, stop bullshitting around yeah. and do it. Yeah. No, it's, it's And true. that's incredible, true, man. And that's, you know, that's like. <laughs> it's like that tough love. But T- Ten years ago, I sat in my first man's group in the middle of like a total chaos in my life. I was in my, you know, late-ish 20s early, or mid to late 20s and sat in this group for like six months and I was just completely mind blown by how, how impactful and effective it was. Mm -hmm. And that's what's, that's another reason that the whole every man, what in me, what seeded the whole thing was this like, why is this so helpful? And why is it so hard to talk about? Why does it seem so weird? Why does this seem like, why am I terrified to tell people I'm in a men's group? Right? Scared shitless. Yeah. Yeah. Initially, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a bunch of dudes we meet up and, you know, it's like, what do you talk about? I'm like, I ain't know, like, I know, feelings. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but it's, it's, um, but you get it. You've done a lot. It's more than feelings at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, well, initially, it's, it's that's, life. I didn't know what to, right. Yeah. I didn't even know, I didn't even have like a, a phrase for it or how, what to even put yeah. my finger on. It was just something that's awesome. I'm like, you just got to come yeah. and experience it. Listen, I know I'm not supposed to say I'm a good guy, but I've been using Good Guy Wellness hair products and they have me feeling good AF. Speaking of which, today's podcast is brought to you by Good Guy Wellness. 
Good Guy Wellness is a four-step hair care line designed to help good guys keep their hair on their heads. Try saying that five times fast. But seriously though, it's a four-step system. It's a shampoo, conditioner, topical solution, and these awesome gummies that will keep your hair looking healthy, strong, and most importantly, there. At this point right now in your life, like, who is Dan Doty? For a while, my identity was pretty bound up in every man, mm-hmm. you know? And now it is definitely, I'm reconnecting with, you know, other deeper, bigger, older parts of myself. I'm, I'm a creative dude, really, at the, at the core of it. I love a lot, and I am happiest when I'm creating something. And so I think, like, the different what I what I intend to do more and more of is, um, you know, even before I'm a facilitator, even before this everyman stuff, more than anything, I'm a writer. I got novels in the bank. I got kids books I've written. I got like all this stuff that I've never really shared with the world. Why is that? It just didn't, it wasn't time. I don't know. Like it didn't feel, I don't know. I didn't feel like I needed to try. Right. Um, I used to have this old sort of conflict between the Dan who was working with guys and had this sort of like social mission and then this artist who would, you know, write fiction and record albums and just like this more creative. And I feel like over time those two are like coming together. And that's one answer. The other answer is I was maybe I was just simply too scared to go for it mm-hmm. too. But um I don't know. I'm just a, a dude with a dad bod trying to trying to get in shape and share share his like uh, dreams with the world. I guess. I mean, you don't look like a dad bod to me. You're nice and burly, and you got this intimidating beard. What is the the strongest characteristic that you think that you have, or that you bring? I mean, I really care deeply, basically about everybody. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and when you say that, it's something about like you could just see it in your eyes. Yeah. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know if that's every man coming out and talking, but I never really noticed that, like looking deep into a, someone's eyes and going, hey, like I see you for what's in there. Yeah. I think it was whatever that is, I was born with it. Like I used to talk about it as I actually haven't thought about this in a while, but when I first started doing that work in the wilderness, like people would ask me about it and, you know, a lot of those kids were rough, man. They were the kids people would cast out, you know, not want to be around. But I think I've always naturally been able to see the the, the beauty in basically everybody, yeah. you know. And I, th- I think part of that is, is seeing the the pain and the hurt that, um, that gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Understanding that that's oftentimes what we're seeing. Yeah. So I just care a lot. When do you feel shy? In um, in bars and like cocktail like mixer situations. I fucking hate it. Why is that? Just of all the people there, or just kind of it kind of feels like superficial environment, or yeah. Just I think one thing is that um, when there's like a when it's kind of loud in an environment, it kind of freaks me out. I'm kind of really sensitive to sound. Oh, really? Actually, so right now we can hear the, we can like barely hear the highway, but you can hear it. Mm-hmm. It it makes me uneasy all day long. There's something about like noise. Is that where you come from, there's not a lot of sound. Uh, maybe, or? maybe, man. I don't know what it is. It's that, but then it's also just this sense of 
you know, I'm just imagining like a, like a conference. I went to a conference a couple of years ago for uh, wilderness therapy people. And like, I didn't know anybody there. And like the first night it's some like hotel shitty room and like there's like finger food and like people just to meet networking. And yeah. I don't know. Like I don't, that makes me feel shy and weird. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't yeah. like that at all. I think when I was younger, it would be like, if I didn't know, if I didn't know the sort of relation to other people, I think for a, for a big chunk of my life, I didn't know how to approach people if I didn't know, like what was going on. Yeah, I wasn't like that forward. Feel thing. like you're growing in that. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable most places now. But has fear ever led you to regrets in your life? Yeah, big time. Is there a specific moment where you can, or a specific event that? Yeah, man, I fucked that one. Uh, a, a handful. When I was younger, I was too scared to break up with people in relationships, and uh, it it messed things up for years. I feel like a lot of us can relate with that. Yeah. Anything else come to mind? You know, I think there was probably some moments of um, being intimidated. I, I, I don't think I'm there any. Well, I'm mostly not there anymore. But in terms of asking for, like, monetary value for my work, mm-hmm. there's been times where I'm, I, I, I wasn't sort of, you know, there's people who are like hawks and are like good at, at negotiating and step into an area and like claim their value and get paid what they're worth. I think most of my life it was I just that would that didn't it literally wasn't my main uh, concern. And so, you know, be like, oh, we'll pay you this. I'm like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. When and so it was something you never really you didn't even give much thought into it. Right. But then there was this period where I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's not like I'm. I'm missing something here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think there was moments of being afraid to, to challenge authority um, to ask for what I was worth. I can relate to you there. Yeah. Is there anything in particular right now, we're going to wrap this up, but anything in particular that, you, that you're especially looking forward to? Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be every man. Yeah. It could be just personal stuff or family. or. Yeah, I'm looking forward to when our son is no longer breastfeeding and my wife and I can go on dates. Mm. <laughs> it seems so simple, but yeah. such a big thing. It's a huge thing, actually. And I'm also looking forward to, well, the real pres- the, the quick one is we're moving into an RV on a farm two days from now. I'm excited, not so much for the, the turbulence of the move, but, but for uh, once we settle in there and live much more close to nature. I don't know. I feel like there's this new chapter opening up, and I don't know what it is yet. I don't actually know what's coming up, but I can, I can tell it's it's different. And is that can, scary for you, or is it you just kind of open up? Not right now. It's not scary. I mean, I feel like, yeah, th- there's been this last period of a couple of years where financially it's been real rocky and scary, and that seems to be over. Like, I think we're on stronger footing there. So that's been my biggest fear, honestly, is just like, paying rent while we have tiny babies to feed has been mm-hmm. really shitty. I think that's over with. And yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I went, and then there's been this sort of phase of like, well, every man's real now and I can disentangle my identity from that. So it was like this, this little fear period of like, well, who am I now? And I'm, I'm not feeling that fear. I'm not, I'm not feeling a whole lot of fear about it right now. Just I'm honestly ready for it. Yeah. Whatever this chapter is, let's do it. Awesome. Well, all right, Dan, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. Keep being one of the good guys.
This podcast is brought to you by Good Guy Wellness. Good hair products for good guys because, damn it, we deserve it. <laughs>